Welcome to Radio Free Murktown, a podcast focusing on and funded by the gaming community at ExplorersUnlimited.com. More than just another play-by-post website, Explorers Unlimited is one of the world's largest online communities of Palladium Books fans who are taking part in a single epic storyline in each dimension, within which all player characters can interact. Explorers Unlimited, where the only thing missing from the greatest adventures ever imagined is you. And now here's the host of Radio Free Murktown, Lloyd Ritchie. Welcome to Radio Free Murktown 31. I am your host, as always, Augur, uh, otherwise known as Lloyd in real life. And uh, with me today, I've got two guests. Gentlemen, why don't you introduce you? I'm uh, Zylant, from, who is the Game Master of Nightbane. Also, I uh, play two or three other characters around the place. And in real life, I'm known as Alan. I'm known as Alan, too, but that's the last name. Uh, this is Eric. I GM the Girls of Murktown, and player-wise, I am known as Rufus in the Templar, Chef Icky in the Galactic Adventures, and Rampart in Heroes Unlimited Century Station. Oh my gosh, you brought back Rampart, huh? That dimension-trotting kind of guy. Yeah, I decided he's been on hiatus for nine years, so let's make that <laughs> game time as well. So he's he's doing kind of like the Steve Rogers man out of time kind of thing. And, and so far, so good. Groovy. Uh, well, a little sidetrack. But hey, new patron shout outs. Uh, I'm going to toss in everyone from April and May since I think I might have missed one uh, for the last time. Uh, so thanks for your patronage to Mike S. Myers, Derek Smith, Steve Dolson, Jason Connerly, Michael Morris, and DragonFet3. A lot of savages are becoming patrons, gentlemen. They're making the EU community look sad. It, and it's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, which actually kind of dovetails pretty neatly. Uh, our first topic of discussion is the 75 patron milestone, which we hit. Uh, we'll discuss the patron items just as a brief overview here. And uh, then we're going to dig in to Northern Gun and uh, try to educate the savages about this little nugget of Rift's lore. And then uh, there's the kind of new favorite topic suggestion. Me and me and uh, John had a really good time uh, talking about it last time. Uh, we talked about the video games we've been digging on. Uh, it's basically the topic is what are you geeking out about? Uh, here's where I'm going to drop in all my favorite podcasts. So if you've got neither of you guys are podcast listeners, feel free to jump in at that point with whatever it is that you're geeking out about. Uh, but first on. Is the uh, the patron items, how they came about, who made them, what are the rules regarding them, and an overview of each. Uh, first off, uh, what's your uh, what's been your take uh, on the patron items? How, how have they been? Well, I haven't had too much chance to use them yet on my characters. I have two characters on uh, EU and two on Savage Rifts, but I uh, haven't really introduced my uh, patron items in, in character yet. Eric, I haven't I haven't introduced mine in yet either. Uh, that's mainly just because it, it hasn't come up. Uh, I like some of these. Some of these have uh, have some interesting and original, I don't want to say enchantments because that's not quite the right word for it. They have interesting properties. Yes, they do. A lot of them have interesting properties. I uh, find the, uh, what do you call it, uh, the one which uh, lets you send out a little spy thing uh, to be particularly interesting. <laughs> I just posted a link in the... Uh... Discord chat, so everybody can just pull them up and we can go through them or whatever. I think we'll go from the bottom up, so from the uh, very beginning stuff, the the freebies, the uh, the load bearing rigs and whatnot. Yeah, I myself, being you know the the content creator, I don't need my one character Jezebel. She doesn't get any of these, so I'm. It's kind of a bummer because boy, she'd be really partial to a couple of them, but. Uh, yeah, she'll just have to make do with canonical items. So the the first thing up is the uh, Calf Elite Core load bearing chest rig. Now I'm not we're not going to touch upon the Savage side. Uh, Alan, you're kind of familiar, so if you want to drop your two cents in on about the Savage uh, stats, that's cool. Uh, I'm just not proficient enough with the system to speak intelligently. I would just, and a fraudulent one at that. But uh, Eric, what's your what's your take on the on the Calf Elite Core load bearing chest rig? 
it's a mouthful. That's actually one of my favorites because A, 12 attachment points, and B, the integrated, uh, I, I don't know, IRMSS. I can't remember what those are, the little yeah. nanobots that heal you. Yeah, yeah. It's like robot medical surgeon, something or another. Yeah, it's a hell of an acronym. Yeah, and it's it's one of the most useful things that's on the list, and it's something that everybody gets. Yeah, you know, the whole, like, this is something I kind of picked up from uh, Heroes Limited Galactic, you know, uh, to avoid the pack rat characters carrying more than they ever possibly could manage, it's good to have, like, like in a, in a uh, computer RPG, that backpack, you know? With X number of slots that you can put stuff in, it's a really good way to do it. And you know, there's encumbrance too, but most people don't ever have. To. So it's not. really useful to be able to just have those attachment points, and that delineates not only where you have stuff, but how much stuff you. It, uh, especially when you're talking about characters who have supernatural strength. I mean, how? I mean, they can carry literally tons, and it's really hard to uh, determine what they actually have on them. Yeah, yeah, like a, somebody with supernatural strength. I mean, they could literally carry a car on their back. But, you know, it's the age-old question, well, where are you going to put that? <laughs> you know, how are you going to keep it on you? You just can carry it around in your hands? Well, there goes holding a weapon. You know, I mean, all kinds of So, yeah. Well, if it's a smart car. Ah, you could wear one under each foot. Just strap it on. Roller skate. Any case, <laughs> I find I uh, hadn't, I haven't used the... Uh... The one with the IR, uh, internal medical robot surgical system yet. I just, uh, I, uh, Fox has one, uh, of the other kind, but, uh, let's it doesn't right, seem. Let's, let's take us right through there. So the next one is the, uh, Janissary Brigandine load bearing armor. This is like the fantasy alternative to the calf, you know, uh, the chest rig. And, uh, yeah. What do you think about this one? Sorry, I have to be on the right page to chat back to you. <laughs> uh, I find I found it actually to be pretty good. I mean, it's a little bit less uh, what do you call it? Less good in the armor department than uh, than a lot of other things. I mean, it's not even as good as my uh, what do you call it? Uh, leather with studded leather armor that I had on for as far as the AR, but it does have a lot more SDC. Only problem is, of course, the SDC can't be repaired because it's magical. But uh, otherwise, it's a pretty good pretty good item. Well, it can be repaired, but only by magic, you know. And so, you know, there's that. So, you know, there's the, one of those things that, you know, there's trade-offs. And that's different. But it's, you know, it's for a fantasy kind of setting. So, yeah, there's, there's always going to be trade-offs. Some people just aren't going to want to wear them because, you know, they're going to, have, they're going to be more, uh, more partial to the STC coverage, uh, higher armor rating or what have you. But it has its, its own little bonuses, you know what I mean? Yeah, it uh, helps to be able to carry things, I'm sure. Right. Any input on that one, Eric? Well, I'd be honest, I really never looked at it before just now because it's fantasy only and I don't have any characters in fantasy here. But looking at it, yeah, it's it's one of those, it doesn't excel in any one category, but it's really good at several. So I think this is a very good all-around choice. And plus, how can you not like Dawn Guard armor from Skyrim? Ah, ha, ha, ha. Uh, you know, you recognize the uh, the image. Eh? Uh, very good. So the, this brings us to the NG Equalizer. Uh, now, now, like he found that he he, he determined where the uh, rig came from, or uh, where the Janitary armor came from. The rig was just an image I found and adapted, and uh, the NG Equalizer was via Patreon, but, you know, the image anyway. But this was a design that kind of engineered uh, off of like a kind of a cross between the standard sidearm in the Galactic game and uh, one of the, one of the uh, Naruni Enterprises uh, revolvers because they have those, uh, they use the uh, plasma cartridges. So, I, and yet I also melded the knockdown effect of a Bandito gun which they usually have really low damage but they have that knockdown effect so this one has a hell of a nice combo on every i would agree when i first looked at it i thought this reminds me of the hand cannons from destiny just because it's got that big bulky look and i i'm gonna be honest this 
this is one of the patron items that I got for uh, for one of my characters for Rampart, actually. Not an appropriate item for any of my characters, but it is a pretty nice item. I mean, uh, it's one of the ones that I definitely included when I was doing the uh, translations to the uh, for Nightbane because I knew that there'd be somebody out there who probably would want it. So far, nobody's actually asked me for very much in the way of uh, patron items on Nightbane. Maybe they're waiting for the new set. Yeah, this would be one hell you- of a hell of a piece for uh, for. I don't know, like someone who's like a grid runner from Shadowrun or something like that. This would be one hell of a, a hand cannon. It, I think it would fit pretty well in that setting. Are you telling me Spiderweb wouldn't carry one of these? Because I'm thinking he would. Oh, Spiderweb is not that. It has plenty of power already if, for damage. He, what, it got, what I chose for him was the uh, the spy device so that he could, because uh, he needs more information sources. I can uh, see that. I got this for Rampart simply because. It's got a dirty, hairy feel to it. Yeah. And Black Hunt's, uh <laughs> basically, he, he kind of gave me a wink and a nod saying, you know, what you want this to be, how it comes in, basically an in-game kind of origin. So I said, I want to make this a Smith & Wesson Callahan special. Ha. Just for the intimidation value. Point this at somebody. You feel and just lucky. channel your inner Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Outstanding. That's good. that was kind of a little bit what was in my mind too. Which I, you know, honestly, I think that's an archetype now. Uh, it's it's almost it's almost a trope. You know, the big hand cannon. Uh, so uh, the next Go one ahead, is the G A W throwback, which I thought was a nice bit of uh, tongue in cheek kind of reference there. You know, because that will literally, you know, throw you back. Uh, since it has the big bore shotgun shells. But uh, I, I found it to be a little um, underpowered compared to like the room sweeper and stuff. But the fact that you can burst and spray with the beast, as long as you're okay with the expensive uh, ammo being discharged that fast, um, I think that adds some added, uh, some added uh, value. Shall we say? Well, I mean, if you like shotguns in the first place, especially uh, <laughs> combat shotguns with, uh, it, it is a rather unusual thing to see a shotgun with auto fire, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, Bandito Arms in the latest Black Market book introduced, it, I think, a couple of them. And I th- if I remember correctly, the Room Sweeper was just like beastly damage. I think it was like 2d6 times 10 or something ridiculous like that. But, uh, it, you know, it, 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 had, it had its own offsets for that kind of damage so i thought i'd in- include this one and uh make it really make it really cool in that it's uh it's got the adaptive engineering so it can use the shotgun shells from bandito arms which do a hell of a lot less damage but have all the knockback but because it has the recoil suppression system you don't have strike or strength requirements so even a weakling can i was just wondering about this one question i mean i know a shotgun uh in can use a lot of different kind of uh, ammo in reality, you know, things like, uh, fireball ammo or whatever they call that, you know, that fires out, uh, I was just wondering if you have a, a bunch of funny ammo that you could use in this instead of just the regular one. I think that's entirely manageable. If somebody, uh, can find a, a you know, weaponsmith or, or whatnot to make that for them, or if they have a crafting character who can do it themselves, I think that'd be perfectly fine. Any input on the throwback, Eric? I like the throwback concept. Uh, it, let's face it, anytime you can have a shotgun shooting bursts, it's a good day. But this is not something that any of my characters would have been interested in, um, mainly because two of them, well, really all three of them, uh, were, I, I prefer one-handed weapons for them. Uh, you don't like the indiscriminate killing? <laughs> I didn't say that. I said one-handed Oh, okay. That's right. Oh, so the equalizer. Okay. That makes perfect sense. So the next thing takes us into the into the fantasy realm again, and that is the Dragon Bane. Now, I had to search high and low for a good image, and it was super hard to find a good dagger image that wasn't, I don't know, kind of cheesy looking. Uh, but DeviantArt eventually came through, and I got this wicked looking one with like a dragon head handle, and it looks really good. And it and it's not a rune weapon. It's actually an enchanted weapon. It's just a legendary enchanted uh, knife. So, uh, yeah, it's... And, of course, you know, because it's the dragon bane blade, uh, the dragon slayer 
uh, feature is one of the uh, magic features. What do you think? Well, this is actually one of the few items that one of my characters has uh, requested on their character sheet. Uh, she uh, was recently introduced it in play as something that's from her history. It's a very nice item, the fact that it can penetrate armor as if it weren't there pretty much. That is, you know, a really useful feature when you're fighting a lot of uh, highly powered quer- quitters sometimes. Eric? In SDC scenarios, I think this could be one of the most powerful or, or dangerous weapons of all of them. Uh, mainly because it bypasses the AR of the target. And plus, never underestimate the, the utility of an eternally sharp blade. Yeah, I kind of, a, this was a little bit inspired by the ghostly katana of Soul Sling, uh, which is a greatest rune weapon, if I remember correctly, uh, in Rifts, in that that, because it's ghostly, it bypasses any armor and strikes the being inside. Uh, so it ignores armor. And it just so happens that uh, Plating Fantasy has that particular feature as well. But it's, you know, any of these things, if you get them and they're like legendary enchanted items, they're usually cursed. Um, so, and, and that likelihood just goes up the more badass the weapon is. So just the fact that this is a legendary enchanted item and it isn't cursed and it is in itself, you know, kind of makes it unusually awesome. I would agree. Okay, so the uh, next one... And uh, we've, we're in the, uh, the Dragonbane Blade and the, the Throwback and the Equalizer. And this next item, these were all bronze category. So for bronze-tiered patrons, uh, these are all options. And the next one is the T4-2044 Flexible Armored Suit. So this is uh, kind of inspired by the uh, Fabricator uh, fabric- from Fabricators Incorporated. Old Villains Unlimited book from Heroes Unlimited. Uh, so I one thought, of my favorites. Yeah, right. And so what I and it wasn't overpowered yet. Uh, so what I thought I'd do with this one was have the suit mimic a superpower and or actually a couple. So I included those as well as having it be decent light suit of armor. And uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I have this one in my Savage Rifts. One of my Savage Rifts characters, Marduk, has it added to his power armor, as it were. It's one of his options. He can only use one option at a time in each given slot, but and so you can't always use it. But uh, the very idea of something that makes you invulnerable to energy is really, you know, really useful in some cases. How does that uh, play out in Savage Rifts since you have some experience? Well, you're not quite invulnerable in Savage Rifts, you, but you get, you like, reduce it by four levels. So it uh, makes it so it's going to do an awful lot less damage to you. Sensible. Eric? I like the Tron look of this that you've that you've put in here. It's not Tron, but it looks it. Yeah. Um, and really, it, the impervious to energy and electricity that that could be very very formidable in a rifts setting when you have because uh, we've seen mages that have the the impervious to energy spell they cast on them, and you can pretty much hit them with lasers all day as long as the spell holds out won't phase them. Yep. And since so many weapons in the Rift setting are energy weapons, that that could be downright nasty. Yeah, you don't want to try to run up against a guy with a railgun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's pretty handy because it's a general energy. Uh, it's not specific to ion or particle beams or plasma. It's energy. So any of those uh, non-physical impact kind of thing. Uh, and and electricity. So, uh, yeah, electricity, energy attacks, radiation, stun, laser, ion weapons. Uh, it, it, they're all specifically listed out. Uh, although ma- magic energy does do half damage. I was thinking earlier that one of the things about the items is that, you know, all of them are limited in some ways. I mean, your Dragonbane blade is not unbreakable, so therefore it can be destroyed. Yep. And, and this one here is, you know, limited in the fact that you can't use other armor with it. Yeah. Well, you know, we always... You always... Tr- as a GM, at least for myself, I always strive for some semblance of trade-off. You have to recognize trade-offs, otherwise you're just flying right into Munchkin land. And uh, so there's always, there's always got to be some sort of trade-off. As it's a light suit, I didn't want high, uh, and you can convert this straight to SDC for you know, Heroes Unlimited or something. Um, but you also you don't you don't want something with superpowers to to just 
stack. You know, you don't want to have this on and then be able to have something else on on top of it. It's just, it just becomes too much. And you want it to be something that's potentially emblematic of a, of a character, you know, because it's a special thing. Very, very few people are going to have them. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's all about the trade-offs. Hence why the razor is on the back makes it impossible to wear this suit with anything else. Yeah, I uh, used to do something quite similar when I was in the Klingon Strike Force. Uh, I was the chief engineer there, and I used to design, you know, starships for the Klingons and things like that. And they always had drawbacks. Otherwise, my theory was, if it was actually better than what was already out there, they would be using it all the time. That's exactly it. Okay, so now we're into the silver tier of patron items, and we're starting off with the Talisman of Marduk. So uh, this was also really hard to find an image for, uh, but I, I found one, and the image on there is Tiamat, if I remember correctly, or maybe it was Marduk himself. I'm not sure. Uh, it's hard to recall these things. But this one is actually designed by our resident Phase World in Eurasia GM and uh, frequent contributor to Radio Free Merc Town, John, uh, a.k.a. Consumer. And uh, he brought he he brought uh, these uh, different features together. Uh, what do you think of them, gentlemen? It is a decent item, but I probably would have put it on the bronze level because the fact it seems to be less powerful than a lot of the other ones. I would actually agree with that because there were some items on the bronze level that I thought were more powerful than this. That is not to say that that it's a bad item. Because the godly health, the uh, the magical resistance, the voice of kings, and especially the sight of destiny, that could give a GM fits. If you say, well, I'm going to use sight of destiny. And now you're going like, oh, crap, i got to plan something out for them to see. And yeah, this is why this is excluded from Heroes Unlimited Galactic. <laughs> but it's why, you know, being a talisman and not a weapon or a piece of armor, it's something that anybody could have, so long as they're setting permits. Uh, and you know, this is something you wear, but you can wear armor over it, you, whatever. Right. So it's a little more flexible in that regard, but yeah, um, it was hard to balance out where to allocate certain things. And the talisman was originally like, I started off with basically three groups of, of the items. And that was, uh, like a, uh, modest, modest items, you know, that are, they're cool. Uh, they're definitely cooler than most things in Rifts, but, you know, they're not even remotely power gaming or whatever. So the the silver and the bronze went into that kind of category. And then, uh, you know, moderately powerful kind of things went into the kind of gold and And then the, holy crap, I can't believe I'm making this available, went into the diamond tier. So, uh, yeah, and it was, it was tricky navigating that. And there's good arguments for certain things to be in different categories, for sure. Anyway, uh, yes, that, by the way, would be Tiamat on it, not Marduk. I do know my Babylonian deities that well. Thank you, uh, sir. My first guess was right. <laughs> yeah, Tiamat uh, was, well, it, she was the goddess of uh, the chaos of the sea, and she could assume all kinds of different forms, but her most common form was that of a multiple-headed dragon. Which takes us to our next silver item, which I believe uh, Alan's already referenced, and that's the Nino Hive Brain Implant. Uh, it's a cybernetic, and uh, yeah, that was another one that was kind of troublesome. But uh, this one was actually designed by our our resident uh, CS High Command uh, Game Master, and for which I was pretty thankful because it's really kind of creative. Uh, what do you guys think about it? I think this is a great item. Uh, it's one of my favorite items. I didn't get the item simply because... Uh, ultimately, I, I was tempted for like a couple of them, but ultimately I was kind of like, no, there are things that suit these characters better. But really, like what Alan said earlier, he, he wanted it for wanted it for his uh, Heroes Unlimited character because he needed a spy. And this is perfect for that. Yes. Um, I mean, my Heroes Unlimited character, Spiderweb, he's got all kinds of powers, except for the fact that they're, uh, I mean, he's got uh, strength, he's got armor, he's got his uh, spider webs, he's got the ability to question people uh, and make them tell the truth, you can see the invisible, got all kinds of interesting tricks, but he hasn't got much that can be used at a distance in finding out information from what's not right in front of him, and that made this a perfect item for him, something he can use to spy around corners or whatever. Yeah, this is basically like a, a non-magic, uh, and it's definitely got a, 
an, an interesting egg. It's not super fast. It's definitely not tough. It's kind of like having a really tiny bird that can go out and report back what it sees. Pretty cool stuff. And a little, a little creepy in that it draws from your spine, you know, its material to, to be created. A little creepy. Which, of course, means it, can, it damages you when you send it out, which is an interesting point on it. I mean... Yeah. So the uh, next silver tier item is the Empress Heavy Ion. Now, this one I made specifically for the Galactic game. And this, I think this was one of the very first things I created because the Aetorians, the ultimate bad guys in that setting, I just thought this was the next, you know, take their, you know, standard issue ion blasters, which are already badass, and take them up, you know, as the savages would say, dial it up to a... Well, I dialed this one up to 12, giving it a crit strike on a natural 17 to 20, regardless of the wielder, and uh, an extra little effect. Well, was nice to have an extra effect that can uh, be useful. I mean, incapacitating... Any kind of uh, electrically powered item is something that uh, a Star Wars Ion Blaster does. It's uh, ding, seems ding, to be based ding. on that. This is the item that I chose for two, my other two characters, simply because Rufus is small, so he needs a one. He wants to deal in pistols. I want to give him just pistols. So I got him an NG forty five LP already, but this it's shorter range, but it does higher damage and it does the EMP effect. And it has bonuses to initiative and strike and the critical strike. It's kind of like the, if you got somebody who needs a pistol, this is the pistol to give them. Now the trade-off on this is eight shots per eight, so it sucks some juice. Now you gotta Whatever I that. pointed at lasts longer than eight shots, I got bigger problems. Very sure. Yeah, like I said, the thing is, it's also very, it looks like, it, I mean, the way it looks, it looks like it's small. It might be like a holdout weapon type thing. You might be able to hide it easily. Yeah, it's just a, I mean, it's a heavy pistol, but it's it's got a more compact design than uh, most of the rest. And that's justified by the Aetorians' high level of tech. They are uh, a good, goodly uh, bit ahead of everybody else in a galaxy, tech-wise. Which takes us to the last silver item, which is the Supai Stealth Armor. This is, uh, this got, uh, I derived this from Japan. And I was like, you know, we need something more regionally flavored to Rift's Earth. And I went, you know, because we got NG stuff and we got stuff from Galactic and from Century Station inspiration. It's like, we need something regional. Okay, let's go to Japan. They got a bunch of tech stuff. And what did they not have? They didn't have any really good ninja suits that were badass. And so I had a suit that mimics the Heroes Unlimited power cloaking which is a major superpower hence why this is a silver eye not bronze yes cloaking is a very impressive power because the fact you cannot use any kind of uh artificial means to detect the person wearing it i mean even a person who has um cybernetic eyes wouldn't be able to see you yep Eric? in tech scenarios or settings this this could be fairly dangerous and definitely very advantageous if you are the one wearing it. Um, I'm reminded back to uh, some of the X-Men stories in the late 80s, early 90s, where some, I, I won't go into full detail, but basically they had been altered in such a way to where basically they had that cloaking power. And so it was it, it was uh, pretty much it was a very strong advantage. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, I can just imagine someone, some character trying to use this and infiltrating Chai Town. Yes, it's very, very good against the high tech characters. Somebody like who's a, like a cyber knight wearing this would be pretty impressive. Oh God, that'd be a nightmare. Don't give anyone ideas. Oh wait, I'm not jamming riffs anymore. Give ideas away. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Ronith and, it, and it's medium. Lancelot, are you listening to this? Oh, don't tell anything to Ron. He's plenty powerful as it is. <laughs> No one needs a 10th level Cyber Knight in Supai Stealth Armor. That's just wrong. But uh, And it's quote-unquote medium armor, but it's tough, given you know all things considered. And now we're entering into the more powerful section. We're in the gold tier. So the first one up here is the Gravity Wave Mall. Now I had to, I had to, give, uh, I had to give people something that would be very fla uh, flavored from Phase World, and uh, this came out of there. So the out of the uh, three galaxies, fleets of the three galaxies source book, they mentioned the Dominators. I was just, I, I was pretty impressed by the, uh, by the source book. 
so I thought I'd get something kind of inspired from them. And so, I don't know. What, what do you think, John? Also, as no, the go. image is amazing. Thank you, Deviant. As far as it goes, it's a very impressive item, and I just couldn't figure out a way to fit it as far as technology goes into uh, into the Nightbane world. But it is a very, it is quite powerful, um, and it, um, it's also, of course, unwieldy. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's unwieldy. Gallagher would have loved this. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You're right. No, I, I love the fact that you made it a dominator weapon because I don't think if they're they're listed in the books as being uh, so technologically advanced and just so uh, overly powerful, but you don't see dominator tech available in the three galaxies. No, and that was you don't, one of the you don't see much of it. Me. Yeah, and I thought this was a really nice touch. Yeah, and that was one of the things that drew me because I, I was like, okay, well, they have really cool ships, and thanks for all the, you know, the source material. And then I went digging into the actual three galaxies source book and all that, and there was just nothing. They had no kind of personal melee weapon like that at all. So I was like, well, got to make one. So this one uh, is actually kind of my personal favorite the image I, i've had for a long time and i believe it came off of DeviantArt, but i never really had a good use for it and that's the kls triarius so it's got the roman name for the veteran stand behind at the very back of the uh, maniple and push all the other ones forward uh and it, when i say heavy armor it's really heavy armor. uh plus it has a, a kind of an adaptation from uh, Robotech, in that it has an arm which which provides partial cover to the wearer from whatever direction the arm shield is facing, uh, as well as other features. And it is full environmental body armor. Uh, what do you Well, as far as it goes, for heavy armor uh, Robotech inspired, it's only missing one thing, and that is the fact it doesn't have an energy field on the on the shield to make it so that it won't be hurt when you attack it, at, when you target the shield. You're talking about the pinpoint barrier defense field. Uh, some of the Robotech items, some of the Robotech, uh, weapon, uh, uh, Robotech armors that have shields actually have an energy field on the shield to make it so the shield, if you target the shield, it won't be damaged. That must be in later stuff because I don't remember seeing that in the, in the first three books. Yeah, me neither. But I, I do remember the laser resistant coatings that, uh, especially like the Southern Cross armor had. Yep. Anyway, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good set of armor if you don't mind something that's going to be, uh, out of place a lot of places and very, and rather on the bulky side. Yeah, definitely on the bulky side with minus 15% physical skills. But given its protection, if, that's actually fairly moderate. If walking tank sounds like a job description that's right up your alley, and it better be a wide alley, not a narrow one, then this is the suit for you. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a beast. Uh, but yeah, the the thing I wanted to make sure was that things matched up as well to the could, and you know, with the uh, the light suit with the razor, that wasn't all that difficult because it looked so Tron-like. It had that Tron aesthetic. With this and the fact that it came from KLS on the uh, is it can or something. Anyway, um, yeah, the yeah. Uh, you know, I was like, well, the helmet has all these things, so multi-optics suit in the helmet. Got to have that. Got got the shield. Okay, and voice control. Yeah, because good God, look at how bulky it is. And then I incorporated that whole uh, the kinetic energy dampening thing from Naruni. So and helpful, and it gives it a little longer. One thing that bothers me, and I may have to look at look this up after the the recording, but uh, the the CAN Republic and the KLS. I thought when the last time I looked at mutants in orbit those were two different organizations and they weren't that happy with each other yeah i think you're right i could very easily be wrong though no i think you're yep. right i just don't remember which was which so i'm like uh... <laughs> well maybe it's just because of the archons passing through they were temporarily working together to defeat the aliens no we'll have no cooperation <laughs> all right the next one is the shockwave techno wizard grenade launch another gold item and if I remember correctly, I think John made this one. Could have been. Well, as far as it goes, it's a pretty impressive item as long as you've got uh, plenty of, P of ISP or PPE to throw into it. 
Uh, I mean, you can uh, create your own grenades out of thin air, and then you can uh, add special effects to them. It's a pretty useful trick. The thing I like best, because I'm not one into techno, is the aesthetic of the image I found. So steampunk. So beautiful. So nicely illustrated. I had to use This is probably one of my favorite illustrations that you've used for all of the patron items. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And I found a, another steampunky kind of thing for the uh, patron expansion pack. If we hit that 80 patron to see him. Speaking of such things, I assume nobody gets any, nobody who's already taken an item gets anything new and they, when you hit the 80 patron, right? You just keep whatever they have and they can't throw, trade it in, right? That's correct. And it's lit. Any, uh, any last comments on the Shockwave TW? No, I think it's a great weapon. I love the illustration. All right. That takes us to the Universal Energy to Matter, another gold tier item. This one. Well, I, I did have one thing I wanted to make up, wanted to comment on the, uh, I was looking at the grenade analogy to check. Uh, there's one thing missing from it. Uh, so you should have a grenade, you should have a, a way to do like a, a like a covered adhesion grenade or something like that on it too. Nope. So our university, universal energy to matter, because this is our, uh, last gold item, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is one I do remember quite specifically, uh, CSI command made. And uh, this was one, if I remember correctly, we bounced back and forth about. Uh, I initially had a different idea. He came up with this, and I was like, dude, my idea sucks. Go with yours. Make it, make it. And because uh, I was originally going to have it be a scanner of some form. And uh, instead, he went with the basically the ability to repair anything. And I don't know. It's pretty awesome. Uh, but what do you guys think? And the limitation being the uh, number of charges. Basically speaking, it seems to be a, uh, a limited form of a replicator that repairs things instead of uh, duplicating them. Ding. This was the hardest one for me to really wrap my head around. Uh, yes, it reminds me of basically the repair beams that, that have pretty much become a trope in sci-fi and, and, and anime. Uh, case in point, the one Rocket was using to repair the ship in Guardians Volume 2. Yep. So it... This would be good for a mechanic character. Like, say, if it was a techno wizard or an operator or that sort of thing. Yeah, we, we tried to hit up all the archetypes and give everybody something. And uh, it's like, wow, we got to have some sort of tinkering or repair item. So, and I think um, I originally had either this or some sort of uh, vehicular diagnostic computer or something like that. But, yeah. And then I came up with a scanner idea, and then I was like, and then Pat came up with this idea, and I was like, dude, that's so much better. Let's do that. And, <laughs> and but yeah, the the big the big limitation being the uh, ten charges per eclip, and it can only use standard eclip. So you know, you get your uses out of it, but you know it's gonna suck those eclips dry. So maybe pack some extra. The healing ability is kind of neat to have too. Yeah, uh, restore damage to any body armor, vehicle, repair mom's broken vase, and similar. Uh, just, you know, things that have been, like, shattered. Yeah, that's that's no good. But it, it, it's kind of similar to the power touch uh, super ability in, in some ways, but a little bit different. different and now we're going into the, uh, the Ruby category. So for those Ruby tier patrons. And here's where they start getting a little weird and a, a little... Although some not quite munchkin yet. So the first one up is the Tesla bow. And this was the last patron item created because it has the the uh, steampunk kind of clockwork look to it. And it, I, I ended up uh, coming up with this, the mechanics for this. It was hell coming up with a good idea for a bow. <coughs> How'd I do, gentlemen? Very good. I have that, I have uh, Fox uh, finding one... Uh... Actually, in the near future, in uh, my in Palladium Fantasy, he, I like thing, it too. Go ahead. The only thing he's missing really is a good ranged attack. I mean, he's got a very good melee weapon these days, and he's got uh, the armor, and he's got uh, his closest abilities. It's uh, he's a useful character now. <laughs> I think it's a great opportunity for characters, particularly the ones in the technological advanced settings, kind of like Rifts and Heroes Unlimited, that if the character is not technologically savvy or is anti-tech, kind of like the ancient master of physical training in uh, Heroes Unlimited or 
you're like your wilderness scouts or mages or what have you in rifts that now they have a viable ranged energy attack. And the only thing that is missing from this, just in my mind, is a Zeus or Cyclops tie-in because both of those were known for hurling lightning bolts. As a matter of fact, the Cyclops in the uh, conversion book uh, talk about their lightning arrows and their lightning javelins. Yeah, I, I could have I could have gone with there, but I had to give a nod to our, our boy Nikolai Tesla. And, you know, it's the only way I could think of to quasi-technologically justify, you know, unlimited lightning arrows, right? It's like, so it draws it from the atmosphere, although it doesn't. I read it's about a static electricity bow. Is that what you're saying? Maybe. It, it actually, uh, I have written in the actual item, it is theorized that the weapon somehow draws power from the dimensional fabric of reality itself, and so never requires charging. What mad genius could develop such a radical technology will likely be unknown to As far as it goes, See, I that's have... where I would dream, that's where I would bring in the Cyclopses. Cyclops is Cyclops eye. Cyclopean? <laughs> Only one eye, of course. Like a, a Cyclopean? Ah, that's an edge. But uh, the thing is, uh, your uh, your bow here, well, in uh, the Palladian Fantasy, they're using it as a magic item left over from the Elf Dwarf War. But uh, as, it, uh, as it happens, uh, the idea of uh, Tesla having a, an energy broadcaster was, I remember reading all about it. He was originally planning to create a, a broadcast energy thing for fr- giving free energy to people. Yeah. Of course, the problem is you yeah. still have to get the energy. Yeah, that's what inspired it. And our next one is the DS2 TW Exploratory Armor. This, I remember quite clearly, was Pat's, Pat's doing. I had nothing to do with this. I didn't even get the image. I just had the category. And he was like, I got this. So anyone who got this and likes it, uh, this is all on Pat. Give him all your... Because this device is of his devising entirely. It is a good item if you happen to be have plenty of PPE to spend. But, uh, you know, it's only a, only a good item if you have PPE. If you haven't got a huge amount of PPE or or ISP to spend to power it, it's uh, not very valuable to you. I mean, that's a given. It's a TW. So, but assuming a mage or a psychic has their hands on it, because it would be useless to anyone else, what do you think, Eric? Well, if it were in China, I could see a... Uh, uh, Qigong Seng Ring with one of these things and, you know, with, uh, and with his virtually unlimited amount of ISP that he has, uh, cause he regenerates like 15 ISP every melee round. He could, uh, he could do a lot with it. I think that this right here, if you have a mage, this makes the mage a more capable character in non magical situ- scenarios. I would agree with that evaluation. I mean, you have the magic force field. What's what are some of the downsides about uh, about mages? That they're they're weak. So here's the force field. Uh, they're they're not very powerful. Well, here's the superhuman strength. Uh, the flight system kicks in. The swimming system kicks in. This is almost like an all-terrain suit that you wear, an all-terrain vehicle that you wear, rather. Yeah, I think that was his idea behind. It. I think he named it appropriate. And here- I may regret. I may regret having Rufus gotten what he got when he could have gotten this. Uh But I think part of the reason is I was planning on, if he ever transitions over to to a techno wizard, of doing something similar. Yeah. So the the next Ruby item is the KLS RG-15X Man Pack Electromagnetic Railgun. Now, this one is definitely my beastie. Uh, so you can blame me for this if, as a GM, one of your NPCs gets taken out. Uh, so, yeah, the uh, railgun uh, does actual damage that is different depending on whether it's an organic or organic target. And uh, different if it's uh, different damage and or effects if it's STC or M. So highly variable. Uh, the ammo is expensive as hell. Uh, 250 credits a round, so pretty pricey. And, uh, the, you know, it doesn't have that many shots in each helical magazine, which are also pretty pricey. So there's your downside. Low capacity and expensive to maintain. But 5,000 foot range 
and variable damage, a penetration value of 10, so it'll even go through a foot of heavy plates. Oh, and it takes two attacks per melee to get off a single shot. As far as it goes, it's uh, a pretty impressive weapon. Presumably the reason it does different damages is because it just blows through things that aren't MDC. Exactly. Uh, so, it, but uh, and it, uh, the fact that it prevents things from regenerating is a uh, darn useful thing when you're fighting against things like vampires or demons or whatever that do regenerate normally. Um, but uh, that said, uh, I mean, basically speaking, it's only useful in a very limited setting because you won't even be able to get ammo for it in a lot of places. Eric, I think this is a very good job, not just on the stats, but also on the fluff background. Because making this a KLS product, uh, KLS being the company that developed the Glitter Boy, yep. this is basically a rifle boom gun. Kind of. Yeah, it just doesn't do the, the large volume of fire. Quite the opposite. Well, it can't, because that's why you need the support structure of the Glitter Boy. This is probably about as big a boom gun as you could have and still reasonably expect a a normal person to be able to carry. Yep. Call it a man-portable boom gun if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> kind of. Essentially. So one of the one of the things I, I felt it was necessary to do for the versus inorganic targets was its special effect. Uh, it, you get a you get a roll on the optional robot combat damage tape. So that makes the GM do a little extra work. Sorry, GM. Uh, but it, you know, that's there's some interesting stuff there, and you know, it's kind of underutilized. So I thought I'd bring that in, and you know, versus organic targets, you know, it either doesn't like Alan sorry to describe for MDC critters, or it's an automatic bleeding injury versus a STC organic target. So if you shoot someone, the the round literally goes right through them, and they're bleeding immediately. I think what really, what I shouldn't say soured me off of this, mainly made me not choose this, is because it takes two actions to fire it. Yep. And, and that's if the base. I, if, yeah, if my characters are in combat, I don't want to spend two actions to shoot something. Yeah. And that's the base. I mean, if you're aiming or doing a called shot, that's, add more actions. It's, it could be costly. But on the flip side, Boy, if you get a aimed called shot at the head of something. Good night, Sally. This is a sniper boom gun. Kinda. Let's just call it what it is. It's a sniper boom gun. And the thing is, you know, if you have to be used to characters who take multiple actions to do something, like for example, Spiderweb, who takes like two or can take up to four actions creating a large web, you know, it's uh it's actually a good thing. It doesn't seem like it's bad at all if you if you're used to it. You know, it's just People who want to get multiple, multiple, multiple different actions—it's some—it's not going to help. Yeah, and like anything that has be interrupt, be careful. That's why it has a five thousand foot range. <laughs> okay, now we're going into crazy land. Now we're into the diamond tier, and first up is the Altes Eviscerator, and and this was inspired by a rune weapon because I wanted to put in a rune weapon, but you can't just go giving rune weapons to anybody. So it had so to this, be limited, this... and it had to be you know. More flexible, in a way, uh, and more tech-oriented. So this got inspired. As far as it goes, as, a, as the closest tech equivalent of a rune weapon, it's pretty good, uh, as being that. But uh, I don't like it much, because, I mean, uh, anytime you're going to just find one, it's already going to have been used, and therefore you won't be able to use it. Reboot it. And that doesn't list it as an option. Yeah, but that's a simple matter of the GM says, oh, Spiderweb sees the off-on reset switch. No, I, I meant the getting your hands on one that hasn't been. That's, that's a given. Spiderweb's actually, his player is actually boxing his own brain in. <laughs> in the convolutions of, this can't happen, possibly occur. Well, it is. So. Because the other question, well, are you familiar with the, uh, okay. Are you familiar with, uh, what's the name of that book? The World of Tears series? No. Well, in that they had they, these guys invented this uh, device called the, a black bell, which they used, which was the intent was to be able to transfer your mind into uh, into a box and then transfer it from the box back into somebody else's mind, so that you could transfer your mind to a new body. 
basically speaking, this, the device works similar to what this thing does as far as that goes, except for, of course, this one's one way. This just communicates. I'm just saying, this is how it works, though. It maps your mind and basically creates a, a copy of your mind inside this thing. No, it doesn't create a copy. I'll say this much. With, I, with all the efforts that I have seen over the years to try to explain away magic weapons, rune weapons, whatever, through technological means, I think this one is about as successful as I've ever seen. It, it just, it, it works. It works from the, the sense that, yes, it's from phase worlds. Yes, it's using nanotechnology. And it's the great palladium of everything is nanotech. And plus, yes, it would look very nice mounted above a fireplace. <laughs> so, yeah, they, uh, the one thing that it comes with this is, uh, you know, uh, the downside is it is destroyable, unlike a rune weapon. I mean, it's tough as nails, but it can be destroyed. So, careful. And well, that's... the one thing I saw players actually comment about it that they really liked was the fact that it has six skills of its own. That was something I, I didn't anticipate, but I just thought was kind of a necessary thing. But uh, that was one of the ones that I got from players, so they were really into that. It is a, well, I mean, it's an artificial intelligence that has the ability to learn. So our next item on the diamond, and this one is, this one is really difficult to make. Um, so I think this probably took me the longest to kind of work out the mechanics is the Cynetic Crystal Amplifier. It also took me a couple different books to draw ideas from to make it kind of work. But this is one is inspired by the Angel of Death. Um, so this is uh, this this kind of an imp uh, can either be worn, attached to your head, or actually implanted. And there's a trade-off there. Uh, it has much greater effect if it's implanted, but it'll drive you crazy. Uh, uh, but if you you can wear it as well, but the the effects are less. As it happens, I've had a couple of people look at uh, this one. Basically speaking, they mostly decided that the trade offs weren't really worth it. I only have one character that has uh, psychic abilities, and he's crazy enough already. Thank you. Yeah, see, that was my uh, my perspective as well as a player, but you know, for the character who wants everything and doesn't. Mind. But yeah, now, time progresses. I will say, Oof. yeah, it, I think this is great because this is like one of the few items on this list. Really, I think only one of two that actually are detrimental if you use it. Yeah, if you Although get an this, yeah. this is much more of a long-term thing than, like say, I think there was the Nano Hive. That, right. yeah, it, it hurt you. It took away health when you used it. This one doesn't take away health physically but it does take a toll on your mental and that imagine if somebody got this implanted and didn't know the danger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, with the, the, the pros are huge, but the cons are too, if you have it implanted. So increasing the range duration and damage of all cyanic powers by 50% and reducing their cost by half, that makes you a mind screwer of the first caliber. But you're gonna go crazy. <laughs> well, basically, well, it is an item that's uh, basically speaking related to uh, your basic crazy implants. So, what do you expect? You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and it was a little bit inspired by that. Which brings us to our our last item, and this one was the most fun to make. This is the Nema Liberator Multi Rifle, and I coordinated with uh, Pat a little bit on this one, and uh, especially he did the uh, he did the Savage Rifts conversion stats for all of these things. So huge hat tip to Pat on his work there. But this beast is a uh, had to come from Chaos Earth because I was like, man, I'm hitting up all the other big, you know, titles and settings. So here's one from Chaos Earth, and here's an experimental rifle that just didn't. Uh, but it has the particle beam rifle feature. It has the absolute zero system. It had the it has the incendiary, and so it's. It's kind of a multi-trick rifle. You remember Space Ghost before the whole talk show coast-to-coast version? <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. And figured out how his guns work, by the way, if you ever needed to know. This gun reminds me of Space Ghost power bands because he could do pretty much all of these from it. That's interesting. That never occurred to me. This is a little mm -hmm. more inspired by the uh, the gun from uh, the third element. Uh, and 
I've had multiple people saying, I want the repeat option uh, where, you know, you hit the target once in all future rounds, no matter where, which way you point the rifle, hit the target. I was like, nope, well, that's broken. As far as it goes, um, actually, there's a, a Spider-Man episode, Spider-Man and his amazing friends, I remember, which had something called a multi-blaster that, or, that I believe worked much like this. Crap, you're right. I wish I could remember remember the exact episode. Pawns of the Kingpin, I believe. Now, I will say this. Uh, there's one thing that I had to hearken back to Here's Limited Revised for inspiration from, and that was the disintegration. So when you roll a 20 side on uh, to strike, uh, the normal rules are modified. On a 5 to 10, the base damage is halved. On an 11 to 17, it takes full damage. But on a crit natural uh on a critical strike of natural 18 to 20 uh <laughs> uh the called location is disintegrated regardless of its location damage capacity uh not applicable to the main body and it obviously can't uh it has to be a called shot for that to have effect but that's a hell of a kill and it does pretty good damage and supposing you actually get a higher high roll to strike supposing otherwise it just does good damage 5d6 not in a sniff hat. A silly question here. If you happen to have one of these things and you want to spend some uh, what, some points on uh, getting an automatic critical, you can do that, right? Hi, we take a look at the explanatory notes. So we have covered the patron item. Uh, any last words on uh, some grand overview uh, perspective on all that? No, I think I'm good. And you know what else? I think we don't have time for Northern Gun. Because, uh, boy, the patron item section, a good chunk of time. So, uh, listener topic suggestion, and we will uh, push Educating Savages to the next episode uh, in, in lieu of Ford Eldorado, and King, or maybe perhaps it'll... Uh, what am I geeking out about? What are you guys geeking I'm going to just put out there, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and the fact that now a huge number of Americans are listening to podcasts has me totally geeking out. As it happens, I'm just, uh, you know, recently, I'm, I'm geeking out about the fact that they have so many new or rebooted games coming out these days. You know, they, there was a long period of time, a hiatus in the gaming industry where they didn't have many new ones. And now they're suddenly uh, rebooting a lot of different games. Like I've got uh, the reboot of The Dark Eye, and I'm um, looking at the... Re and I just recently purchased the reboot of uh, Torg. And, you know, there's a reboot of Champions that's just coming out soon. And, you know, just all kinds of good stuff in the past. Ah, tabletop RPGs. Okay. I was wondering... You said games. What about you, Servo? What are you What are you geeking out about right now? Well, I geek out uh, mainly for Disney, Star Wars, and Marvel, and I do a podcast with for Marvel. Well, not for Marvel officially, but it is a Marvel podcast. Wait a minute! You and just put out. You just repeated yourself, sir. Disney, did I? Marvel and Star Wars. You mean Disney? Because they own I all mean of those. The umbrella. They're all under the <laughs> umbrella, but I was a hipster. I liked them all before they came under the same umbrella. Oh, okay. So did I, actually. So uh, I, I geek out about those, and I also geek out with uh, with tabletop RPGs, kind of like, well, riffs, for one thing. But uh, I also geek out a good bit about uh, GW, because uh, Gates Workshop. And there is a game that they had out several years back, and I've heard a rumor that it was going to come back within the next year. That is Gorka Morka. And basically, it's Mad Max on an alien world with orcs. Well, that just sounds like something you have to play with a beer in hand. You don't take it seriously. You can't take it seriously. It's just a lot of good fun. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds kind of fun. <laughs> I'm thinking of a game called so uh, Orc World that I have somewhere. So anything else uh, anyone would like to share? Uh, I would just like to put a uh, put a shout out to the people who actually listen to podcasts and enjoy them. There are a ton out there right now. Go download your favorite. If it's uh, hip-hop music or tabletop gaming or freaking politics or science or philosophy, man, there's everything is covered out there. I have been doing history and some political philosophy like crazy, and I've been listening to, to a econ talk uh, podcast for years now uh just there's a ton out there and you're not as weird as i was five years ago if you do because lots of people are doing it now so uh podcasts they're they are awesome 
And gentlemen, if you got anything um, more to say, now is your now is your last chance. Well, just one quick comment on the uh, on the missing Northern Gun section. Um, if, if I'm correct, if I remember correctly, Northern Gun is um, is from the Kingdom of Ishpeming on the Upper Peninsula of, of Michigan, correct? Yeah, that's the geographic. Yeah. Just making sure I remember, was remember my memory was accurate. You know, sometimes they get a little bit mixed up. Yeah, it's, uh, Manistique Imperium and Northern Gun. They uh, they kind of share the UP out there. Alrighty, well that'll do us for uh, Merktown Radio Free Merktown number thirty-one, and I hope to talk to you guys uh, next time. Have a good one, gentlemen. Peace. Peace. This has been Radio Free Merktown, a WMRK production. Contact us at RadioFreeMerktown at gmail.com and support Radio Free Merktown on Patreon for as little as $2 per month. Visit us on the web at ExplorersUnlimited.com for more information. 